0: Hello and welcome to the James Sheets Podcast. This podcast features the sermons and preaching messages of James Sheets, who pastored throughout West Virginia for many years. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and leave a five-star review and share a memory of James with us. Let's listen as Pastor James Sheets begins his message. Genesis
1: 32 at verse 24. Jacob was left alone. There wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. He saw that he prevailed not against him. He touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. He said, Let me go, for the day breaketh. He said, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. And he said unto him, What is thy name? he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. He said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? He blessed him there, and Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Let's pause for a moment of prayer. Our Father, we are thankful that we can come out of our busy lives, separate ourselves from all the things that would center upon us, surround us, sometimes squeeze us, problems of work, problems of health, problems in our families, above all the problems in our own individual souls that have a tendency to separate us from you. We come from many different backgrounds and many different needs. There's one need that we all have, Lord, and we recognize tonight, and that is a proper relationship to you because of breakdowns in this relationship, that other things have a way of falling apart at times, and that those things that beset us have a way of attempting to destroy our testimony, our relationship to you, and help us, Lord, to be strong in those times, draw upon the strength of your word, draw upon the strength of the church but especially upon the strength that is within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. Take us, Lord, and use us tonight as we look at your word we receive a blessing from it, an uplift, encouragement, but above all, may we see the reality of your working in others' lives and in our own life. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Have you ever had an anxiety attack? Oh, at least one person's honest. Mindy and I have had anxiety attacks. Anybody else ever had one of those? Well, I got four of us now. Five of us have had anxiety. Six of us had anxiety attacks. Oh, Drexel, you had one? Your wife says you had one. Okay, that's fine. We haven't had them, have we not?
0: We wring
1: our hands and do all sorts of funny things not knowing what to do next, where to turn. It's, it's a, a problem in life that we all face in that we don't know quite how to handle everything that comes upon us. Sometimes we feel so pressured that all we can do is wring our hands and uh, fret, fume, fuss. I wouldn't want to name the number of times that I've done that. And I know, even when I'm doing it, that it's contrary to what the Bible has to say about it. And I know that probably it's because of insufficient faith or an unwillingness on my part to fully and completely trust that the Lord will do what he wants done, I almost feel like I have a problem and I want to tell the Lord how to settle it. Instead of allowing him to take it into his hands, uh, I am not only telling what I want, but I'm telling how I want it. And that's... uh, That becomes a problem. We have our burdens. And we sometimes start asking, why does the Lord put this burden on me? I want to suggest to you in the outset of tonight's message that it may not have been the Lord that put it on you. We blame the Lord for a lot of things that aren't his fault. We try to make him responsible for everything that happens to us. And if we would be perfectly honest and digest all the things that we go through, we would discover some startling facts, I believe. Number one, most of the problems that we face are self-caused. We did it ourselves. Secondly, other people did it to us. And thirdly, we can't leave the Lord, or we can't leave the devil out of being blamed. The devil puts it upon us, particularly upon the faithful. He tries to tear us down by putting burdens on us and causing us to think, well, the Lord did that to you. It wasn't the Lord at all. The Lord does at times place burdens on us. But he has a purpose in doing so and that purpose is to make us stronger. As a consequence of the burdens that we bear we become stronger when we have overcome them. The scripture tells us very plainly that the Lord will not put on us more than we can bear. The Lord won't put on us more than We put on ourselves more than we can bear, other people put on us more than we can bear, and the devil loads us down and breaks our back at times with things that are more than we can actually handle. We will see this in the life of Jacob that's before us this evening. But I want you to, first of all, notice what the Lord had to say about the overall problems that we face, our life, of where to get our next meal and our next drink and our clothing and those sorts of things. He did it in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6 of Matthew. In the 25th verse, he makes a statement, Therefore I say to you, Take no thought for your life. That doesn't mean don't plan, don't look ahead, don't consider what you need to do. What it means, and some translations have it clearer, when he is saying, do not be over-anxious about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink or what you will put on. Do not be over-anxious. Don't have an anxiety attack over what you're going to have in your normal routine of life. He goes on to say, is not uh, life more than meat, that is, more than food? Is not the body more than clothing? Then he goes on, explaining it by the fowls of the air, how they don't sow, but the Lord takes care of them and, and the lilies of the field and, and those things. So as we began to look at the situation, the Lord certainly is aware of our situation. He wants us to be concerned and he wants us to come to him with the problem and lay it on him. and then leave it there. And don't give him instructions as to how he works things out. That's difficult to do. I have tremendous difficulty in being able to lay it there and walk off from it and leave it alone once I have given my burden to the Lord. One thing I've learned, I think I've learned it well, that is that I do not put on the Lord the blame for all the things that are wrong in my life. I have to blame myself for the most of them. Or other people. And most certainly the devil himself. Well, all right. Now, with that background, Jacob had a problem. You remember Jacob. He was a twin with Esau, the twin boys of Isaac and Rachel. The grandsons of Abraham. They had a tussle from the very beginning. Isaac tried to be born first and didn't make it. And Esau was born first. Therefore, Esau was the senior boy in the family and had all of the family rights. He should have been the next head of the family. He should have gotten a larger share of the estate when his father died and any of the rest of the family. He should have received his father's blessing that was very important. And They believed that there was something that transpired transpired between the father and the son when the the father would lay his hands upon the son and transfer to him before the father's death the blessing uh, from him. This was all important in the Hebrew family. But Esau was a very rugged individual and grew up to be the hunter and the herdsman, and, and Jacob was more uh, domesticated. He liked to do things around the house. He liked to cook. He liked to sew. He liked to quilt. Quilts. You know, you guys would do that. You would identify with Jacob. He was a little more fair-skinned, Not as ready as Esau. Jacob wanted to be the head of the family. He wanted his brother's blessing that his father was about to pass on to Esau. He wanted the right to be the head of the family. So he connived away of stealing both the birthright, that is to be the head of the family, and the blessing from the father. For Esau was out in the field hunting and came in extremely hungry, so much so that he thought he was going to starve to death and he didn't get something to eat. And Jacob had the best bowl of soup prepared that you ever smelled in all your life. And Esau asked for some of that soup, and Jacob wouldn't give it to him. Typical brothers. But Jacob had a reason. Esau said, well, let me buy it then. And Jacob said, all right, you can buy it, but I'll tell you what the price is. I want the birthright. Esau said, well, what good is the birthright if I'm going to die from starvation here a little bit? Okay, you can have it. Let me have the soup. As soon as he ate the soup, he regretted his soup, But It was too late. He had sold his birthright. Later on, his father's about to die. Um, Isaac said to Esau, go out and kill a deer and bring it in and fix me my favorite... Uh, meal of venison, and come to me with that, and I will give you my blessing. Esau was blind by this time, and uh, Rebekah and Jacob, connived his mother, connived that they would deceive the old man in order that Jacob could get the blessing, and so they put a, the skin of a goat upon the arms and the chest of Jacob and Rachel prepared the meal and Jacob brought it in to serve to his father and deceived him into thinking that he was Esau and gave the blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. When Esau discovered this event, he was so angry that he would have killed his brother. Their mother had to insists that Jacob run away, flee to her uncle, or to her brother, his uncle, in order that he might escape the, the pending death that his brother was going to bring upon him. He's going to kill him. That's all there was to it. Brothers get angry that way at each other, particularly when somebody's deceived. Jacob had succeeded in wrestling with deceit. Two things from his brother. The right to be the head of the family and the blessing that his father would pass on. Jacob has now been away from home many years. He has married two girls, Rachel and Leah. He now has a family. <coughs> he has great herds. He's a wealthy man. Some one day somebody says, Esau with an army is coming. And Jacob has an anxiety attack. What am I going to do? My brother has come to kill me after all these years. He sent droves of livestock by his servants to Esau on the road with his army to appease him. He didn't think that probably was going to work and so he divided his family and his goods into two parties and separated them. Hoping that if Esau would find one of them, at least one wife and one set of children would escape. Then this night he goes, he divides them out and he goes across a little creek in the night to a private place, and there he spends the night alone, having his anxiety attack. He was alone. And the scripture says that there was a man that night that wrestled with him until the break of day. Some say it was an angel, but I believe it was the Lord himself who spent that night wrestling with with Jacob. now, he had enough on his mind to cause him to, to be anxious. And he took it to the Lord. He reminded the Lord that the Lord had made him some promises. Back in the 32nd chapter and the 10th verse, he confessed his sin to God. And when he said, I'm not worthy of the least of all thy mercies and of all the truth, Which thou hast shown to thy servant. This is the beginning of a right relationship with God. If we're going to have God on our side, we're going to have to recognize, first of all, that our life, our sin, makes us unworthy of anything that God will give us. We're just not worthy. Jacob confessed his unworthiness. Then he reminded God Well, let me before that, let me make one other statement. He asked God in the 11th verse of the 32nd chapter to him. He beseeched God earnestly in prayer. He said, I pray thee that you would deliver me from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And then he said, And you said to me, verse 12, Thou says, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sands of the sea. God had promised Jacob after his confession of his sin that he would bless him and make him a great nation. God will accept our prayer of getting ourselves right with him, seeking our forgiveness, getting our lives straightened out. He will accept that prayer. And when we ask then for his blessing upon us, then he is in a position to give us his blessing. But we can't expect him to bless our lives when we have not admitted our sinfulness. Here comes our problem. Jacob is spending the night wrestling with this problem. He is alone. Loneliness is one of the worst things that a person can possibly experience those of you who live alone, you know what I'm talking about. Man, or God, never made man to be alone. As a matter of fact, in the very beginning of time, he said it was not good that man be alone. and That's why he made Eve. We are made to be together, to support each other. This thing of being alone is not good. At, at, uh, particularly at Thanksgiving and at Christmas, there are more suicides than any other time of the year, and it's done by people who are alone. I spent one Christmas alone, the most devastating period of time in my life. Never had I been alone at Christmas before. I was absolutely lost in knowing what to do. It was a case of necessity at that time. and and I spent it, but I I could understand why it would be that people who are alone would even consider doing such a thing as taking their own life. Loneliness takes away so much of the source of our strength, which we gain from each other. It's important and necessary for us as a church to come together. There are times we don't feel like coming to church. And many of you have said to me, I just didn't feel like coming. Let me tell you, there are times I don't feel like being here either. I don't have any choice in the matter. You have made it absolutely necessary for me to be here. But don't expect me to feel like it every time. We all have these times of not feeling like being together. But the Scripture tells us that this is important for us to be together for so we gain strength from each other in those times that we can come together. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, unto him that is alone when he follow. Let me, let me read that over. Woe to him. I forgot the first word of it. Woe to him that is, alone when he follows, for he hath not another to take him up. He doesn't have anybody to support him. There is a tendency when one is alone to develop self-pity. And we begin to turn our feelings inwardly and think, poor me. Why me? Why am I in this situation? Why did God for this burden on me and we began to, uh, to have our own pity parties I don't deserve what I'm being forced to endure and everybody dumps on me I am the bottom of the pile nobody cares for me nobody loves me and on and on we could go with our pity party and this is what Jacob was going through All this night when he was wrestling with his problem and over and over in the night he dealt with this. One of the things that it caused him to do was reflect back on his past. He remembered the sin that he had committed against his brother. He saw how bad it was. Now he is faced with the threat of judgment for his sin against his brother, for Esau is coming. Jacob didn't know that God had already been working in the heart of Esau. and Esau was not coming to kill him. But Jacob didn't know it. You know, most of our worries never come about. They say 95% of the things we worry about never happen. We just worry ahead of time for useless reasons. We don't like to worry. We like officers, I guess. Well, we worry ahead of time, and it never happens. We're going to worry, let's wait until it happens, and then worry when we have something to worry about. But that's not the way we do it. And Jacob worried all night. He wrestled all night with, with the Lord himself, only to discover the next morning when he went out to meet his brother, his brother put his arm around him and hugged him. He didn't come to kill him at all. The Lord hears our prayer and he works in the lives of other people to bring about the results of our praying. You see, when we have a problem, sometimes somebody else has to act in order to help us solve our problem. And we pray, God help me with my problem and God's helping with our problem because he's working in the heart of somebody over here who's going to have an impact upon us. This is what it works. Don't think that you're alone in this thing. God is working in somebody else's life in order to help you with your problem. So he had all this sleepless night, and he wrestled and wrestled all night, and the remedy was already there, for the Lord had promised him He would give him a blessing. God prepared Esau's heart. And when they met, they were reconciled. During the wrestling of this night, the Lord said to Jacob, What is your name? Jacob said, My name is Jacob. And the Lord said, Your name is not going to be any longer Jacob. I'm going to change it to Israel because you have power with God and with men. You know, if there's anything that I would like, it would be to have enough power with God that he would say your name no longer applies, and i have to give you a new one to represent who you are. That's the kind of men and women that we ought to be. That power with God. And we'll have power with God when we quit having our anxiety attacks and take no thought for tomorrow. Consider the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. God takes care of every one of them. And he says, Are you not more precious than all of these? How should we respond when we have our problems? We should take them to the Lord. We should be concerned about them. But when we have placed them in the Lord's hands, then we know that we have placed them in the only place that's necessary. And He will prepare somebody else's heart, interrupt somebody else's plan, in order to bring about the results that we have asked for in our prayer. Oh uh-huh.